So this week, chapter 13, how did your reading go? Show of hands. How many you got your reading done? Anybody? Okay. Anybody struggling? Holidays hit. You're not quite on there where you were. Okay. Hey, get with the program, people. Get with the program. Hey, I, I'm going to share this with you. It's a little trick. You didn't know this. If you go to YouTube and you, and, and, and you look up the story and the chapter that we're on, you can hit play and it'll read it to you. Just, just saying. I'm just, you're like, are you kidding me? Really? Where was this 12 weeks ago? Just, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. So uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about this book. We are working through this book. It is called The Story. Uh, it is basically an abridged version of the Bible. It, it's segments of Scripture taken directly from the Bible, put in chronological order with chapters and verse markings removed so that it reads like one continuous story of God. And if you're just joining us this morning, I want you to know this is for you. Take it. Do not feel bad about it. Take, we've, got, we've got stuff for all your kids. It's right down this hallway to my right. It's right in front of the office uh, to your left. And, uh, and, and you just go down there, grab materials age-appropriate for your family. We are giving them out for free. Uh, guys, we've already given out over 700 copies of this, which is crazy to me. Um, and that, that's really, really cool. I mean, that, that's, if you go off our weekly attendance, we've almost given three times the amount of, of what, what we typically see here. And that's really cool. We've got people all over the place reading it, uh, even some people over the pond, as they say. And uh, so we, we've got a friend in, in United Kingdom that's doing the story with us, which I, I just think is amazing. And so... Um, that's what we're doing. So chapter 13, um, last week we, we, we kind of wrapped up the second half of David's life. Now he's not dead yet, but that's, we're gonna, that's happening this week. Uh, but, but so this great King David, right? The man after God's own heart, the slayer of giants, the one who, who poetically penned all the Psalms. Uh, the second half of his life was not great. In fact, that's this, we, we looked at his life and he'd done all these great things in, in Act 1 and then we got to Act 2 and, and suddenly we found that even the greatest of us is capable of grave sin, right? And, and we looked at that, that grave sin with Bathsheba, that sin of adultery, and then we talked about how, how, how it was compounded when he tried to cover it up, how, how it just got worse and worse and worse and those things happened in our own lives as well. But then we saw the beauty of, of David's heart, right? Even though he had sinned gravely, he still was a man after God's heart. He still repented when he was confronted with his sin and then God forgave him. And you would think that'd be great news. And it is that he's forgiven, that he was made righteous. But that was a tough message for some of us because we learned last week that even though God forgives, we often still have to face the consequences of our actions. A lot of people don't like to hear that. They want to say, God, I'm sorry. And they just want everything to magically be okay. God says, I take away your sin. I make you completely righteous. You, you, you're still my child. You have a home with me. But you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions. And some people just don't like that. But that's the truth. And, and the rest of David's life was certainly filled with those consequences. God forgave him. He was, he was still a man after God's own heart. But he had to deal with the result of that sinful behavior until he passed. And that's kind of where we, we, we find ourselves in the story this week. David is dying. And at the tail end of his life, he's got to anoint a new ruler, a new king, someone to lead this nation of Israel. So uh, he's going to choose Solomon. It's an interesting choice. We'll talk about why those things happen. But Solomon is the youngest son of David and Bathsheba. And, uh, and we'll, that, that's where our star story starts today. So join me in a word of prayer. We're going to invite our teacher to join us. And, uh, and then we'll get started. Um, Father God, we're so thankful for who you are. We do pray that you would receive all the glory every time we gather in this place. Holy Spirit, we want to come and invite you to please 
take your proper place in our church as the teacher, as our guide. We pray this morning that you would exalt Jesus in ways that we cannot on our own and by ourselves. And Jesus, we pray that as you are lifted up, that you would draw each of us closer to yourself, that we might be transformed into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now it is nearing the end for David, end of his life, and his wife, Bathsheba, comes to him with a request. My king, she says, would you please remember the promise that you made to me? Would you make Solomon the king of Israel and Judah? Now, it's interesting that she has to make this request, but she has to make it because another one of David's children has, has taken the throne. He self-proclaimed himself to be king, right? David's uh, fourth son, Adonijah, is trying to set himself up as the next king. And so David, now hearing the news from Bathsheba, now understanding why it's so important that he keeps his word, says, no, go please anoint Solomon, king of Israel and king of Judah. And, and, and that's what happens. And then he charges his son, Solomon, with leading the people of God well, with observing all of the laws of God. I, this, he, he knows what he's speaking of, because when he didn't, there was disaster. And then he charges him with building a temple for God to dwell in. We, we find this, page 176 of the story. It's 1 Kings chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles with you. 1 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 2. David says this to Solomon, I am about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong and act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands. His laws and regulations is written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. Love that line. Be strong and act like a man. First Chronicles chapter 28, we get a fuller glimpse of David's charge to his son Solomon in regards to building of the temple. He says this, he says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That is a stern warning. Then he says, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Like I said, um, when I came to the church uh, nearly eight years ago, Palm Sunday will be there, um, I had prayed for a confirmation verse. Lord, I need a verse from your word about uh, the fact that this is you. And this is the scripture God led me to. Be strong and do the work. And uh, it's meant a lot to me. And I think that's the season that we're in as a church. And as you read this week, you found out there's one encounter with God that really changes the whole course of Solomon's life. And it's when God appears to Solomon at a place called Gibeon. And there the Lord speaks to him in a vision and basically says, Solomon, just what do you want me to give to you? I'm going to give you anything you ask for, Solomon. What, what do you want me to give you? And some of you think, well, that's not fair. God's never said that to me. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Whatever you ask for in prayer, it'll be yours. Right? I mean, I mean, Jesus said those words. So, so don't act like God hasn't shown up in your life and said the same. So, so he shows up in a vision with Solomon. He says, listen, Solomon, anything in the world that you want, I will give to you. Now, what do you want? 
Solomon's response. It's more than anything else in the world he would like the wisdom needed to be a good ruler. More than anything else in the world, I just want to be good at this thing my dad has asked me to do. Would you grant me wisdom, God? And the Bible says the Lord was pleased with that. In fact, it says this in 1 Kings chapter 3, page 177 of the story. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. From there, the rest of the story focuses on how Solomon used that wisdom from God to rule the kingdom justly. People from all over the earth came before him to just hear him speak. There's never been a time in the life of Israel like this, nor will there ever be a time in the life of Israel like this under an earthly king. This is the sweet spot of the story of God. Even the queen of Sheba has come before Solomon. So when we read about all that, when we study his life, what are we supposed to take away from the life of Solomon other than this really sweet nugget here, right? Jenny, help me out here. It's a cue. There we go, right? Proverbs 21, 19. It's better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome, nagging wife, right? You guys read that this week? I'm not the only one that read that, right? That, that's not the lesson. I'm just saying. I'm just, and he should know. He had 700 wives, okay? So if anyone should know, it's better to live in the desert. Although he lived in the palace. I don't know how that worked out. But seriously, what, is, what does God want us to learn from the life of Solomon? I couldn't resist that, by the way. It was too good. I, I literally, as I read through the story this week, wrote, ha, in... Anybody, you guys don't write in your Bibles, huh? I do. Ha! This is good. It's too good to pass up. So I have four things I, I believe the Lord wants us to learn from the life of Solomon. And, and the first is probably the biggest, okay? God is the source of all wisdom. God is the source of, of all wisdom. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. I want to read um, verse 1 through 6. I'm in Proverbs chapter 2. You can also find this on page 179 of the story, if that's what you're looking at right now. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Solomon says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commands with you in you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Think about that with me for a second. That's basically saying, like, like think about what has come from God's mouth uh, to this point in the story, right? Light and life have come forth from the very mouth of God. Genesis 1, God says, let there be light, and, and light pours forth from the mouth of God. God says, let, let, let there be life, and, and life suddenly, just with a word, is, is, is covering the face of the planet. And, and the same source, the mouth of God, evidently is the source of all wisdom and knowledge and true understanding that just when God speaks, pours forth real wisdom, true knowledge. It is just like light and life. It, it pours forth out of the very mouth of God. And of course, this is something Solomon learned firsthand. 
He wasn't the oldest son of David. In fact, he was the youngest son of David and Bathsheba. Scholars believe that he was under the age of 30 when he became king of Israel and Judah. That that helps us understand his answer to God's question, right? What do you want more than anything else? I just need to know how to do this, Lord. (laughs) Give me some some help. What do you want, Solomon? I, I I just need some wisdom. And God gives it to him abundantly. If we could just get this one truth, that God is the source of all wisdom. God. Knowing God should be our greatest aim in life. Studying God's word should be our primary occupation. Yet we are consumed with the lie that wisdom and knowledge are found in other sources and institutions. If you don't believe it, just see what you have bought into. We live our lives so that our children can go to good colleges. So that they can receive good educations. And there, when they receive good educations, they will then go forth and get good jobs. And when they get good jobs, they'll make good money. And if they make good money, then they'll finally be successful. We want to be... We want them to be wise in the ways of the world so that they can be successful. All the while ignoring the one true source of wisdom and blessing. God's word. By the way, blessing is the true definition of success. Blessing. Solomon says to his son, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. We really need to teach our children the same thing. More than anything else in this world, my child. Like it's great that you want to go to a and It's way better than that other school nearby. It's just, just had to get one in. It's a lot less liberal. Not a lot of liberal arts degrees at a and I'm just saying. We, we put our faith in institutions all the time, don't we? I just, I want my kid to do this. I want him to do this. And, and, and guys... That makes us the problem. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then it immediately turns on you as a parent and says, and teach your children. Talk about the ways of God when you get up, and when you lie down, and when you walk about your day. And my friends, I just, I, I'm, just, I'm not trying to hurt any feeling. I, just th- I, I think we're all failing. I think we're putting our hope in in institutions and worldly wisdom, hoping that our kids will be knowledgeable in things that really don't matter. You follow me? And hear me, I'm I'm not telling you not to send your kids to college. I'm just saying, wrap them up in this when you do. Right? God is the source of all wisdom. Number two, I want you to see that God is pleased when we seek wisdom. Man, we got to hurry God is pleased when we seek wisdom. Listen, God wants us to want him. God wants us to want him. That is what this story is about. God pursues us. God providing a way to bring us back to himself. God uh, wants to camp out at the very center of our lives. And somebody says, well, pastor, that sounds like a man-made or, or a man-centered gospel to me. And I, I, my, my loving response would be, no, that is just the gospel. 
It's not man-centered. It's just the gospel because God is the one that said, God doesn't need us, but he wants us. That's the story of the Bible. The, the, the God of heaven and earth, who's holy, 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 who's perfect, 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 who's, who's totally, completely uh, just, just enraptured just in himself, he's fine. He doesn't need us. He, he just wants us for some crazy reason. And so the story of the Bible is about this God pursuing a people that have rejected him. And, and it's the extent that what he will go to to bring us back to himself because we can't do that. That is the gospel. This, this truth that God wants us to want him. And I don't understand it, but it's the truth. I believe it. And here's the deal. When we seek wisdom, when we seek true wisdom, we end up at its source, which is God himself. That is why God is so pleased with Solomon's request. It was an acknowledgement that he needed God. Solomon is saying like, God, I can't do this thing on my own and by myself. This is too big for me. God, I need you. When he said, I want wisdom, he's saying, I want you, God. I need you, God. This thing is bigger than me. God, ever been there? That, that should be the doorstep of our lives. God, I'm about to put my feet on the floor and today is bigger than me. I'm, I'm about to get in my car and go to my job and I'm here to tell you, God, it is bigger than me. I'm, I'm going to pick up my children, Lord. <laughs> I need to tell you that they have a lot of things going on in their life, God. And there's, there's boy, boyfriends and girlfriends. And, and there's all these thoughts about marriage and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And Lord, I'm just telling you, it is bigger than me, God. I got that bill in the mail yesterday, Lord. And I'm telling you, it is bigger than me. I don't know how I'm going to pay that, God. I need you. That's what happens when we ask God for wisdom. We're going to the source of wisdom, which is God himself. That's why God is pleased when his children cry out, Lord, give me wisdom. Because what we're really praying is, God, give me you. You want to please the Lord. You want to please the Lord? Acknowledge your great need for him. He will be pleased. God will grant you what you ask for. That's really the next point. God gives wisdom generously to those who seek him. One of my favorite promises in all of Scripture is James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. I'm going to just be honest with you. I pray this Scripture more than any other Scripture in the Bible. Just, just in my daily walk, in, in, in my, uh, I call them kind of shotgun prayers, you know, as you're going about the day. It, not, not my morning prayer, not my night chat, but just as I'm literally walking about life, I pray James 1, 5 more than any other scripture in all of the Bible. Lord, grant me wisdom. Lord, help me here. Lord, I don't know what to do. Um, I, I pray this scripture, and I, and I pray it um, so often because I have seen God faithfully fulfill it so many times in my life. When I, when I took my first job in ministry, I'd been a Christian for two years. Probably a little less than two years. And, and I was suddenly a youth pastor and I was supposed to teach youth about the Bible. And I, was, I just remember praying, God, I can't do this. I need you. Like, I, I, I don't even, I don't know what to do, Lord. I just need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me what to teach them. I just need you, right? I remember when I came, when I came here, uh, like Palm Sundays, eight years. Like, we're, we're, we're close, friends. And, and I remember, I was like, Lord, are you sure? Because I'm 33 and most of these folks could be my parents, 
Like the church has changed now, okay? But I'm just telling you what I walked into. That almost everybody in the congregation could be my parents, literally. I mean, some could be my grandparents. I'm just, I, that was where we were. And I was like, Lord, how can, what do I have to say to them? Like, I, I can't fix this. I can't do it. And so I remember just praying, Lord, would you grant me wisdom? Would you show me what to say and when to see it and what to teach and when to teach it and, and help me love? And, and God was so faithful, and, and especially in those early years. God is, God is just so faithful about answering this prayer. Anyone who lacks wisdom can ask for it. And God who gives generously will give it to him without finding fault. It's a huge promise. The promises of God are for us, friends. They are for us. Okay. I still pray that scripture every time I sit down and write a sermon. Every time. Without fail. Okay? God will give it to you. Number four. It's a big deal. The aim of wisdom is the transformation of character. The aim of wisdom is the transformation of character. Wisdom is more than words like love. It is a verb. Wisdom requires action. Otherwise, it is just knowledge. And knowledge only serves to puff us up with pride. Wisdom is meant to work down deep into the cracks and crevices of our lives. It is meant to affect our thoughts, our motives, our our priorities. And then eventually it will flush itself out in our actions. We tend to think that we read the word of God so that we can change our behavior. God wants to change the inner man. The point of the wisdom of God is to make us a different person so that eventually that different person will make different decisions. It's not just to correct bad behavior. The aim of wisdom is to work down deep into the cracks and the crevices of your lives. I like to compare Solomon's life to that of the Titanic. Right? The Titanic seemingly had it all. It was the gem of its day, the most luxurious ocean liner built at the time. It was taller than 20-story building. It was as long as four football fields. It was Solomon-like in all of its glory. And, and, and when it saw an iceberg straight ahead on that fateful night, it reversed its engines, it turned hard. By the way, it had been warned. It, it, it reversed its engines, it turned hard, and it appeared or so above the surface line that it had avoided disaster. But you see, it is usually what's below the surface that sinks the ship. It's an iceberg... About a third to a fourth of it is what you see above the water. It's what's below the water. Below the surface that usually does us in. At some point, Solomon stopped allowing the wisdom of God to work down deep below the surface of his life. He stopped applying the wisdom of God to his character, to his personhood. And he just became puffed up with knowledge. And though the world said polygamy was normal, though that was very common for kings of the day to have multiple wives. God never said it was okay. God never sanctioned it. In fact, God had warned against marrying anyone who worshipped a pagan god. By the way, intermarrying in the Old Testament never had anything to do with race. Ever. Ever. So don't think it. Don't, don't write that down. It never, ever had anything to do with skin color. It always had to do with religion and with idol worship. And by the way, those rules still apply to us as followers of God. We, we, we're not supposed to intermarry people of other religions because they will draw our heart away. And that's what happens in the life of Solomon. First Kings chapter 11, verse 4, page 192 of your story. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart. Sweet perfume. 
and other things we won't talk about because the children are here, turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. Pretty sure that's up there in the commandments. You shall have no other God before me. As his heart changed. He was no longer devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And the results are tragic. First Kings 11, 11, page 192. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant, my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Wow. Wow. Everyone saw, everyone that came and saw and heard Solomon, including the queen of Sheba, they were all in awe of his wisdom. Everything that you could see above the waterline seemed great. But it's what's below the surface that sinks the ship. The aim of wisdom is always the transformation of character. That's the aim. Anything short of that can cause great, great failure. Okay? Let's pack this up. Take it home. Two things very, very quickly. Number one, uh, this, this week I really want to challenge you to make sure you haven't been swindled. Okay? Make sure that you haven't been swindled. I want to explain to you what I mean. God is the source of all wisdom, right? Basically, there are two types of property on earth, right? You're either building on the sand or you're building on the rock. And we live in a world that tells you that you need beachfront property, okay? That's what I'm telling you. I mean, mean, the world says you you need to be at the beach. That's where life should be. This is what you deserve. The problem is that Jesus says it's the wise man that builds his house on the rock. The foolish man is the one that builds in the sand. And the world tells us time and time again, you've got to go get knowledge here. You've got to believe in these things. You've got to study these things. You've got to live for this. You've got to do that. Meanwhile, God sits there speaking in a still small voice saying, I'm right here. Creator of heaven and earth. I've got everything that you need. I've got everything that you need, okay? It's a big Big deal. All right, number two. If you unpack it this week, I challenge you to seek God today, every day. At this point, you should know that you don't know enough. I mean, Solomon, bless his heart, under 30, he knew enough to know that he didn't know enough to be king. And at this point in your life, if you can't wake up, look in the mirror and say, I don't know enough to, to, do, to know enough to, to do my life. I, I just don't. Then something's wrong with you. You're lying to yourself. I wake up every day and, and just come face to face like, that guy is an idiot. I mean, that guy looking back at me, he looks older, he's got less hair, there's more wrinkles, and he's dumber than he ever was. God, I need extra grace today. I need extra wisdom today. Cry out to God for wisdom. Maybe it's the first time you've ever done it. Preached a funeral yesterday. We had several people. They, they prayed. Lord, I just need you. Everything above the surface in my life looks fine, but the truth is, underneath the surface, I'm struggling. My life is a mess. It's a wreck. I need you. Cry out to God. He will meet you. I promise you. But even those you that are Christians, you need to cry out to God daily. You need to cry out to God daily. God, I need help. There are are four prayers that I pray on a regular basis in my life, okay? And I'll just give them to you for free. These are for my personal life. This isn't praying for my wife, for my children. This is me, for my life, for my holiness, right? Four four prayers. One, I pray for wisdom. This isn't anywhere. God, grant me wisdom today, right? Two, I I pray, uh, I invite the Holy Spirit into my life, okay? Uh, I read a book by Francis Chan called The Forgotten God, and, uh, and basically it said, when's the last time you saw God move in power in your life? And my answer was preaching. 
It's got, I show up every Sunday and stuff comes out that it's not on paper. I don't know where it came from. I know it's you. And then you said, what's different about it was his question. What's different about it is every Sunday I invite the Holy Spirit to come take his place in my life. And so the immediately the Holy Spirit said, well, duh. I mean, that's how I, I need that sometimes. He's like, duh, Jason. And I was like, oh. So I, my new prayer, like daily, uh, Holy Spirit, I just want to invite you into every part of my life. I need you to be my teacher and my guide today. So invite the Holy Spirit into your life, not just into a moment, right? Uh, lead me not into, into temptation. If our Lord and Savior prayed that prayer, I probably need it, right? If it was good enough for Jesus, why am I neglecting that? And I want to tell you, that prayer has transformed my walk with Christ. Just daily, Lord, please lead me not in temptation. Sometimes I pray it a couple times a day. My last one, um, a private one, but I'll share it with you. She won't hurt me. Uh, I pray, Lord, would you give me eyes for my wife and my wife alone? Men, it's eyes. That's what you pray for. Women, it's hearts and minds. God, would you give me a heart and a mind for my husband for my husband alone? Because the enemy is real, and he is seeking a foothold in your life. And we need the wisdom of God. Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray that it changes us way down deep. It means nothing to come and to hear the truth of your word if we don't apply it. God, wisdom is a verb. I pray we've learned that this morning. We love you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.